Okay. Yeah. Good morning. We left off Malachim Bey's Perichav Gimel, Pasik Chav Hey. One of the most complimentary sukim about a Melech Yisrael. I include Malchi Yehuda because unfortunately by the Malchi Yisrael there weren't too many complimentary psukim. Not that there are as many as we want by Malchi Yehuda either. But Yoshio Melech stands out. Echoing the Pasuk in Krishma. Kachal Teres Mesha, the Acharov lo kam kamahu. Doesn't get much better than this. We're leading up to the main sugya in Yoshio, even though it sounds like we're about to sign off because the Pasuk is yet going to mention the battle that he unsuccessfully fights and the terror behind why he went, what went wrong and what went wrong with his entire tshuva process. So we're going to get to that at the beginning of this week and over the coming weeks. First, take a look at the Metzidah's David on this Pasuk in Chav Hei. We have a list of Malcha Yehuda, Tzadikim, Gedele Adar, the main... Movers, if you'll use the modern vernacular of Chuvan and Klai Yisrael, and it's with trepidation that you even compare or contrast any of them, because they're talking about all G'dayli Elam, and the G'daylam of, of all, many generations, and Chizkiyo HaMelech we spent a lot of time on, and therefore it's not my kasha, it's the Metsudas David's kasha. As he's asking him, what happened to Chizkiyo? Chizkiyo HaMelech, here the Pasuk says, there was no other king like him. Acharov lo kam kamo, okay, that we can figure out, even though Tzitkiyo HaMelech is still yet to come and he's going to be personally at Tzaddik, will not accomplish, unfortunately, nearly as much as Yoshio accomplished, neither can prevent the Chorban. But the part before, kamo lahayu lafanov, is what is bothering the Mitzvah's David. So again, chafei kamo lahayu lafanov, mashanamar, so here the Pasuk says there was nobody like Chizkiyo Melech after him and here we're Baruch Hashem after Chizkiyo and one of his descendants is, I can't say outdoing it, but that's the Metzudah's David's question what aspect was the godless of Chizkiyo focused on in that Pasuk and what aspect the godless of Yoshio in this Pasuk Mitzudah says that, yes, they were both G'dayli Elam, and Chizkiyo had his particular maila that he excelled in, and Yeshio had other maila's. And here the spotlight is on Yeshio. Over there, it was on the maila of B'tochen of Chizkiyo HaMelech. Hubedavra B'tochen B'ashem, K'meshenem Ha'ashem, when the Mitzudah's David, if you just came in, he says, over here we're focusing on tshuva, over there we're talking about bitachin. The tshuva aspect of Yeshua Melech 
is actually a machlokes in Shabbos Nun Vav Ahmed Beis, where it has a list of Gedele Elam who seem to have done things where it mentions Averis, and the Gemara says Kalama David Chatein Alataya and Ruvain, and talks about Yeshio as well. It says here that Shav El Hashem sounds like he did tshuva. It's about tshuva. Shav El Hashem So one man Damer says Shav is relative. He wasn't doing Averis in the first place. When he became king, even at the young age, he was doing the right thing, and he caused tshuva for Klai Yisrael, but the Gemara says he actually gave back money of all the Dine Terra in the early days due to his tremendous sitkas and anivas that maybe, perhaps, in his younger years, he was on the Bar Mitzvah, in his younger years, he didn't paskin it correctly, and he gave money from Uvein to Shimon, and Shimon to Uvein, so out of his own pocket, he gave it all back. About millions and millions of dollars. Imagine how many dignitary had. That was not necessary. They accepted him. He was the king. He was supposed to run the country. And his tshuva, quote unquote, tshuva sahaisa lahachsemi shaloi kaldin shadami ben shmana ad shmana esrei. Not till 13, but to 18. Zeshanema bechoma oidai. That's the passing mentions. Bechoma oidai. The other mandama can agree with this. The other mandama can say that he didn't really know much when he became king, which we know to a certain extent was true. And perhaps in his own personal mitzvahs he did things wrong because he didn't know and he became a baal And not only did he personally become baal but he also gave back the money of the dinner that he did with his seichel yasher, which in all probability were correct, but he wasn't taking any risk. And therefore he gave it back. So it's not a steer to the other mandama. We're just focusing on what is it Referring to when we're talking about shav, shav means tshuva. So which aspect was the tshuva? So again, the Mitzvah's David is answering the kasha by saying the cheskio was a yachid in terms of his bitachin b'ashem of the kings we're discussing. And bedvar ha-tshuva, there was a success over here with Yoshio Amel that was unparalleled and the tshuva was either his personal tshuva or the fact that even though he's from the whole time, his tshuva to undo every single dinter and give back the fortune of money, hence the Lashon B'chol Ma'adai. No one's disputing that we're talking about and contrasting G'deli Elam. Uh, they were all very unique, and unfortunately, at Kings of Yehuda, they weren't all uh, very big tzaddikim. Some of them were big Rishayim. You'll notice over here, we're talking about tshuva. It didn't mention that Menashe was the biggest Baal tshuva, even though we have a Mandamar, that his tshuva was done, accepted, and he's the head of the chamber of Bali Chuva and the Elamemis. So, Menashe is not to be forgotten, but that already is a more complicated machlekes. Take a look at the Radak on this Pasuk. Also on Chafei. Asher Shav el Hashem, Shechare l'divetar v'asak chal hakosav ba. V'heser habamas, Radak gives us an overview of his accomplishments for due to his personal sitkus and his determination to move things around and change things. In his time, he finally got rid of all the Bamas, something that all the previous kings were not successful in doing. And everybody came, whoever was bringing a carbon, everybody came to the Besamitish only. We had some great tzaddikim, lahisira bamas, kamosha amr, aidha am, mizavta, makachim, abamas. So, 
the Radak is trying to address the same question. How can the Pasuk say that there was nobody like him before or after if we had Chizkiyo and Asa and Yoshafot? We had, let's leave Davon Melech out of the list for a moment. Let's assume that everybody's agreeing. We're not saying he was greater than Davon Melech. But all the other descendants who were Tzadikim, how can it be? So the Radak says that he accomplished something they didn't do. He finally got rid of the Bumas. As we spoke about many times, there was always pushback and destroying Bumas because Chassam Sefer says it was actually an Esdereza to destroy the Bumas because they were used for Kedusha once and they were Chesed Kedusha. So he couldn't get rid of it. It was sitting on everybody's back deck and it was a constant Yitzhahar on a Sunday morning to bring a sacrifice which was an Esdereza Chiv Karis Shchut Echutz. And every time he tried to talk him out of it, he said, what do you mean? My grandfather is greater than you and he did it and it was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. Ah, then there was no, it wasn't his grandfather, it was his great-great-grandfather already, but there was a time when it was mutter. A long, long time ago, but habits die hard, and they couldn't get rid of it. Couldn't dislodge this notion. Yeshio didn't take no for an answer. That was one accomplishment that nobody else was able to do. Number two, and Radak's going to go and compare and contrast to each king that should have been comparable to Yoshio, and yet the Pasuk is saying he was greater. To go back to the Radak, also was an unusual tzadik, he made one big mistake, if you recall, he sent a bribe to Melech Aram, and that lefima dregasoi was not necessary, and therefore counterproductive. Everything else he did was great. When you're Asa, you're judge of the magnifying glass, and Melech Asa was a balbitochen to a tremendous, tremendous madrega, and therefore dafka for him, what are you sending bribes? For anybody else, it might have been regular rishtablis. And to pay for that bribe, he took the money from Eitzis Beis Hashem. He felt it was necessary. Kosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachol said otherwise. And he sent it to the king. And when he was sick, he went to too many doctors. What's wrong with going to doctors? For us, absolutely nothing. It's a mitzvah rabbah. For a melech like this, with the betachal level like this, wasn't necessary as the Ramban said it depends on your madrega to come on to the quote-unquote heter of Rapa Yerape. We go to doctors. We just have to remember when we have to, we have to take a Tylenol for a slight headache. Hopefully that'll be the extent of it. We have to think of a Baruch Hu and his chasadim and that it depends on a Baruch Hu. His Tylenol is going to work. It's not going to work. Is the headache going to come back? You still have to keep a Baruch Hu in the picture. And on the one hand, Baruch Hashem, slight ailments are... Easily countered with remedies we have over the counter, the big disadvantage is you can pop the pill and not have a kosher baruch in the in the equation. So that's uh, a definite downside. There's some more neviim over here and pelietes who just came in. So that was the reason why the malachasa didn't reach this particular madrega that we're referring to over here with Yoshua Melech. What went wrong with Yoshafat? I'm glad we're reading the Vedak. The Vedak is doing what I uh, said at the beginning, the disclaimer, is we're not going to take a risk of contrasting and comparing Sadiqim because we shouldn't be doing that without Mishanim. So that's why I'm reading the Vedak.
and this is Dovin. The doc says, all based on Gemara's, of course, Yashafat, also what Sadiq said, Elam, Yashafat, Gamkain, Yaezel, Amalchi, Yisrael, Abisham, and Ishat, and Imaim. He did everything right except for one basic decision which he made, which lasted a long time, and it was wrong and had almost catastrophic consequences. He meant completely the Shem Shamayim. This one's tricky. Kirov, as we know, is a wonderful, crucial mitzvah that we have to do, especially Bismarazetz, throwing lifesavers. You're not going to get everybody, and there are people who have Heligoneshamas, every year is a Heligoneshama. There are people who have Heligoneshamas that are burning with a desire to come back. They haven't a clue how to begin to do that. And the interaction they have with some people is the only chance often that they have that might ignite a spark, and you never know. And there's no pattern. Who's going to come back? Who's not going to come back? It's Echad Me'elef, and maybe not even that, unfortunately. But you have to be willing to throw out some lifesavers, and you never know who you're going to get and who you're going to capture with an interest. And somebody from the shul just told me he was named Tisrom, and they were in Tavaria, and they had a hotel, and they, they bump into a guy who was on a tour, a real... Um, multi-generational guy from America who was on a religious tour, wrong religion. And he was a friendly guy and uh, they got very excited about these tours and he went to uh, the Mekaymas Atameim. I can't say that because it's all in Eitz Yisrael, it's all Mekaymas Gedeshim, but what, you know what I mean. Uh, he was here on a religious tour and the uh, Mekaymas and Eitz Yisrael that have potential Kedusha that we have to be Mekaymas, let's put it that way. Anyway, schmoozing with them, and you ask him where he's from, he says originally from Greece, and he used to be that version of that religion, and then he changed in America to a different American version, and uh, he should ask a Shaila about changing Nuschas uh, if it's all wrong, you know. So, so um, they're talking and talking, and then they uh, have to mention, they introduce themselves, one fellow said, I'm an attorney, and... Uh, this uh, person with me is a, is a rabbi. I said, oh, you're a rabbi? He says, I studied Bible also. Maybe we can study together. So uh, that's us, sir. So they sort of changed the subject. And then they can't get rid of this guy. Very friendly. And he's schmoozing and he's schmoozing. And uh, they happen to mention them. He says, you know, you're from Greece. Where you're from? And he happened to mention way later in the conversation, completely, that his grandmother was Jewish. <laughs> so... I said, yeah, which uh, size? Paternal, maternal, which grandmother? He says, my mother's mother. So he said, actually, I'd love to study Bible with you. <laughs> so now you know why they were there. Marie told me the story. Was, uh, just happened just there last, yeah, last, last week. Yeah, maybe it's the same guy. He's still figuring out that his grandmother is Jewish. But see, so you never know, and it should always be in front of you that tears the potential and Zapintaliyid and you never know who you can bring back. And if you can't bring it back completely, you can make a Rosh make a Kiddush Hashem. With that said, I had to make that long disclaimer. With that said, Yoshafat, being the tzaddik that he was, felt very strongly about not Stam Kirov of an individual. He felt very strongly about the Kirov of Klaisal. Klaisal at that point was split. There were Saras Ashvatim and there was Yehuda and Benyamin and no one was perfect, but Yudim and Yamin basically was a lot firmer than the Shvatim, as we've been learning the last number of years. And he was dealing with the Malchus of Achav, speaking of not yet from 
and it was an absolute disaster, and he felt terrible. And he wanted to reach out and bring them all back. And he knew if you start from the top and you bring back the kings, then everybody will follow suit, which is true. The average guy in the street wasn't really that interested in not being from. But there was downward pressure, especially Achav and his sidekick. I don't want to call her his wife because we're still not sure. They were married, they weren't married. Jewish, not Jewish. And the jury's still out on that. But there's a lot of downward pressure. Yoshavet had a, a, an idea which was genius, if it weren't wrong. That's the, the smarter the idea, the more you have to check it out. But this is all 2020 hindsight. And he figured if I'm a Kairiv, the base Hamalchus, that I get them and I got a million people in one shot. Get a better plan than you want to talk about a comprehensive Kira plan. This is it. And he thought of it and he did it. Almost wiped out the entire Malas base David. Yoshef and himself almost got killed in battle, joining Ahav in battle. And it was a disaster in his own. Descendants were off the derech because of this, and Achav and Izevel was so bad that you can't do kirv with them, you can't intermarry, intermarry into the family, intermarry. They were all Jewish, well, maybe, if Izevel was Jewish. And he felt they were, and he married off his kids, and it was an absolute disaster. What was that? Yeah, so that's why this discussion is, um, you're right for bringing it up. At the end of the day, Rabbi Hanan says, Adina Nesav says, so what's the moral of the story? Rabbi Hanan says, you're trying to tell me that the moral of the story is that if you have a wonderful tzadegas of a daughter, you should go and look for the worst guy in yeshiva and marry her off? Is that the moral of the story? I'll tell you, it's not the minig. tell you that much. So why not? What do you mean? You have to, she's a powerhouse. So why not do Kirov? So it's not the minig. And Rabbi says it shouldn't be the minig. And Rabbi is not any less caring for his fellow Jews as, as the Galadah is more caring. As a matter of fact, Rabbi is the one who flew back into Europe into the Holocaust taking care of his fellow Jews and, and got killed over it. So, uh, you know, lest we think uh, when you have Machlekes and Gedalim, to what extent in Kira of the one's more caring than the other, that's Kfir. As a Shaila Aloha, what that Medrash means. And uh, it certainly it, it tells us something about Dina and what a, indeed, a Kayach, a powerhouse she was. And it uh, tells us something about Esau and how pliable he was or wasn't. And whatever the moral of the story is over there, it was circumstantial. Even if the Medrash is telling us she should have married him. And the jury's still out. And Aloha denies that even the Medrash is saying it on that. But he certainly, the context of the discussion between Aloha and the Chaznish was about the approach to joining Rishayim and secular Zionism and their pre-state discussion was the Medrash in context of that. Can you join? How much can you join? And this story with Yoshef and Achav speaks volumes. You just got to figure out what went wrong and what was the application. So that's not for now. We've had some discussions on that. It's a difficult topic. It's so difficult. Yoshef with his godless and his chachma got it wrong. So the Wadak is pointing out we're saying, he was the greatest aside from Davon Melch. The greatest, and what's with Yoshafat? And since Yoshafat was taka up there, but he made one terrible mistake, and it was costly, which the Vedak points out. And the Vedak says, we go with this Gemara, that that was a mistake. There are just so many Chazals in Yoshafat that talk about it's godless, but talk about this mistake. We don't disagree that it was a mistake. Yoshafat Gamkain, he went to battle with them, he helped them, he married into the family, and they were Risham Gemurim, and they had a bigger effect on his children than he had on theirs.
which is the double-edged sword of Kirov. I was talking to the Bachram and the Premier of Shir yesterday. We got into this topic. I'm talking about uh, Kirov with your friends in Yeshiva. I, I told them the same thing. Kirov is a wonderful thing. You've got to make sure you're focused on it as you get older, not for 11th grade Bachram. Very important because... Young adults are very impressionable. So you say, great, they're impressionable. So I can be a carrier of them much easier, right? Go over and they're very impressionable. The problem is they're very impressionable the other direction. And it can go in the wrong direction before it goes in the right direction. And you're not in the mitzvah unless you're stark enough yourself. That's pretty important despite the demands of and all the other chiyuvim of arvis, which are very important. So that's the issue with Yoshofat. Most recent one, Gamkan Amarlov, Lokigmulov, Heshiv. So it's very interesting. The Matzinus David just pointed out the godless of Chizkio was his bitachon and the fact that he was able to hold the fort literally and figuratively with Yishalayim against the onslaught of Sancherv and despite the fact that his own men were either about to mutiny, did mutiny, whatever. Marshaka gave him a rough time. We, we covered that recently and it was really difficult. On top of everything, he got deathly ill on the eve of the invasion, he held Stark and he didn't let the city go and didn't sell out Klai Yisrael. And that is his singular midah among the Hasmada and all the other things that he accomplished. This critique over here, again, is only on Chizkiyo's Madrega. Look, Gemul Olav Heishev Chizkiyo. The Pasuk says this. You have to know what it means. Ki Liboy. Remember, he had the delegation this was uh, three, four months ago here in this room. He had the delegation. The delegation came, and he showed them the treasures. He showed them the Kadeshikadashim. They were from Bavl. He thought they were friendly. They were really spying, but that wasn't the main problem. The problem was, on some level, with his tremendous madrega of Bitochen Anivas, he felt oh, they're coming to visit me. I have a delegation from the upcoming power. And that was a bit of gaiva, and he went too far with this friendship. We discussed that, if you recall. There's a balancing act between Ishtadlis for Rufuah versus letting Hashem take care of it directly, Kaviachol, depending on your Madrega. And then there's the Ishtadlis of getting too friendly with the powers that be in your Ishtadlis in government versus letting Akash Bochel take care of it. The Ishtadlis we do now in Washington is going to be a lot heavier than the Ishtadlis Chizkiyo had to do showing the Bavlim around because he was just past an ace of the downfall of some Chayrev, where he did absolutely nothing. And the manager says he did nothing. The manager said, I don't have Kayach to fight, I don't have to get out of bed, I'm, I'm going to sleep, please get rid of them. And they were gone. And here the Balvim will come, he's giving them a grand tour, and he's eating with them. And he's, so we had various Madrashim, if you recall, not long ago, where it went through the Madrega of Chizkio, and the disappointment that Chizkio and this Madrega felt he was compelled to treat them with such honor. And the source of it was a drop of gaiva on his madrega, which you couldn't perceive on him, and he couldn't perceive on himself. So we just finished Asa Yashafat and Chizkiyo, the other three Malchei Tzadikim of Yehuda. Aval, that continues, Yashiyo Namalav Kachal Tyrus Meshe. He did everything right, which is astonishing. If you stay around this week, next week, and the week after that, because in this paragraph we make reference of the huge mistake he's going to make. So why doesn't the Radak say there were four kings, all of them accomplished a tremendous amount, were tzaddikim, except for 
also did this wrong, Yashava did the Chizkiah, and Yashio did this wrong. So, the Pasuk here is in Chafei. What he did wrong is coming up in Chafches. And to date, he did everything Kiteris Moshe. Interesting setup of the Pesukim, no? The Radak's giving us an overview on over 100 years of history. And he's picking the four Malchit Tzadikim, and we're contrasting them, even though we know that Yoshio is going to make a huge mistake that's going to cost him his life. Yoshio made a mistake that almost cost him his life. He survived that war. Yoshio is not going to survive. And it's going to be the last hope before the Horbin. I'm asking Akasha. Why is the Radak doing this? Not the Radak. The Pusik seems to give this sign-off is that, okay, we're, we're stacking everything up, and he comes in first, at least in certain areas. And then the Pasuk is going to make a reference to the Pesukim of Divrei which we're going to have to see inside, as most of the stories in Divrei But the story of Divrei tells us that he didn't listen to the Navi on some level and went to battle in a war he shouldn't be fighting and got killed in a battle he shouldn't have been in. So just hang on to that. We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, but you look at, I mean, even David, who was the greatest of the kings, right? And as great as he was, and as. He made mistakes. Everybody made mistakes. David's mistakes were personal in nature, though. His mistake, they, they asked that Kasha in a different context, and they say, Shaul and David are compared, and Shaul lost the Malucha. One of the famous answers is Shaul's mistake, as we just learned in Naftariah, was of the Malchus, and that was his job as the Melech, and he didn't kill Agag, and he didn't finish off Hamalek, and he listened to the people when he shouldn't, and David Melech had a side issue which he did Shuvah for and paid for, but that wasn't an Avera in the Malchus. This mistake of going to war, he's going to be Klai Yisrael to war, and he's going to... So, okay, the, so, so we do Shaul here, right? So Shaul no, so Shaul, yeah, Shaul was a Malchi Yehuda, and Shaul would have been in this list with the doc explaining Shaul was also great, except for his two mistakes over here. Us's mistake, one was for the Malchus, he sent a bribe, which he didn't have to do with Shtablis, and the other one about being Derish doctors, at the end, was a personal mistake. So he put both of them together. But I just, I'm just pointing out, you would think we're ending the parak over here, and the Pesach says, Kamo lafanov, and we're busy explaining all the history of all the Malchi Yehuda and why he comes in first, and we have yet to come to his only big mistake. Yeah? Achorov lo kam kamo is true. The only king we're going to have who's a personal side to get Sifkio, and we're going to get discussed him a lot, but he didn't, unfortunately, was in a matzav. He couldn't really do much, and he didn't do much, and Yoshio comes out, I'm not talking about personal greatness, but in terms of accomplishments, Yoshio comes out on top. So Achorov lo kam kamo is going to be true. As we sit here, there was never any repeat of that. It's just interesting. The Radak is spending many lines contrasting, and he says, yes, he was so great, and he has to look for something. He did one thing wrong, and he did one thing wrong, and Yoshefa did one thing wrong, and, but Yoshio didn't. Well, he didn't up to Pasu Chavhei. So, I, I'm giving the sound bite for now. I'm raising the kasha now for a reason, because I have to show you the order of the psukim, is that we're going to have a very difficult time over the next few weeks figuring out what he did wrong. As we would, and as we did by Yoshefa, because as I explained, Yoshua did it for Kirov. There's no bigger mitzvah. He's trying, not stop Kirov. He's trying to unite Klai Yisrael. Can't have a better agenda than that. 
and he was still held accountable. And also did everything right, and he was dealing with another government. Bribes then were legal. Unlike today, where you get in trouble, especially right before elections, when you take too much schnapps or something like that. Boggles the mind, but whatever. <laughs> Everything is, that's the way, everybody's doing uh, horse trading, and everybody's uh, wheeling and dealing. So you send money. The only difference is, in the good old days, they used to send money, and the message says, uh, Dear foreign monarch, uh, we're pleased to present to you with the following $100 million. This is a bribe, italics, large print. Uh, please accept and be gracious because I'm interested in a war. Signed, yours truly, awesome, Elah Yehuda. And that was a normal thing to do, just for him. He didn't have to do it because of his madrega. But they, they called it what it was, and people accepted it what it was. And now it's not politically correct, and maybe for good reason. And uh, the shayla is how much schnapps and... Uh, you know, how many gifts are you taking? That's the debate, but the debate is only debated pretty much before elections when you're trying to get rid of other people. What? Even what Yaakov was saying about um, the, the, the Diyan or the Malachi compared to like Moshe Bain. Moshe Bain is the best of the best, the gold standard, and yet... And it didn't go into Israel. Yep, yeah, I was... Uh, the famous Sugging uh, Subas by Israel, which we spent a few months on a number of years ago at Night Seders, I was just well, up to it... Uh, and I was learning with, with Mordechai and uh, telephone. So we got to the part where Abzeira was at the Yardin and he came to the Yardin as a ferry every hour on the hour. So Mordechai asked me, I was just by the Yardin, you don't need a ferry. I said, that's the Yardin now, we haven't had rain for a while. <laughs> I said, I said, it used to be a lot wider. So, uh, so Gamar says he got there and the ferry wasn't there and there was like one of these very dangerous plank bridges where you got to like hang on for dear life and hope you get across without falling in. And it's not Mr. Constantin And he didn't wait for the ferry and he jumped on the plank bridge and he got across. And the stuki there says, Ahmed Paziza, people are so impetuous. He said, Nasavanishma the first time and you're still impetuous. We're proud of that. That was the Amkshayer uh, of the goddess here. And he told him, he said, you know, I'm only Rabzera, Moshe and Iron got here, Moshe Ben Mamash got to the border, he didn't get to go across. He said, I'm not taking any chances. I'm here, I'm going across. You wait for the ferry, who knows what's going to happen? Just interesting. Just, we're just uh, discussing it. So the answer is yes. Abzeira said, look, me, Lana Gadol, for Moshe Rabbeinu, and it didn't happen. But again, that was a personal mistake. Here we're talking about mistakes in government, and my problem is, is that the biggest mistake in government coming up of going to war against Pyro is about to happen and it's going to cost him his life and the government's going to fall because of this. So my short answer, which isn't that satisfying, is that that's how difficult it's going to be to figure out what he did wrong. This was closer a call than Yoshafat's Kirv or decision to refrain, which he, I'm sure, thought about a lot and made the wrong decision, Asa's decision to send the bribe or not send the bribe. This coming decision is, when we get to it in the Pasuk, it's going to take us a week to read the Pesukim of what happened and take us a few weeks to figure out what he did wrong. That's how complicated. So even though he was held accountable to the extent that he got killed, that's not really what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Kaddish that, to complicate things. Yeshua Melech, I'll tell you the secret now, is a Gilgal of Ochaz. Think about that one for the next week or two. That's going to be part of the reason why he has to get killed. I'm mentioning that, and I'll probably mention it when we get there again, is because the decision was so close, how can you hold him accountable? 
the way I said it over the last five years, usually around Tishabov time, is that uh, the Melech told him this, and the, the Navi told him this, and the Melech didn't listen. It can't be as simple as that. It's a short version. We're now going to learn in the longer version. He was never told Beferish not to go. That's going to be absolutely clear. And that's why I believe we're making a list to say that this king was the thought did something wrong, and he did something wrong. Yoshio, at the end of the day, something went wrong. The question is, did he do anything wrong? Or was he a Gilgul, and was there, was there something else in Shemayim playing over here that basically made, made it inevitable that he's going to get killed in this battle, he's going to go to the battle and get killed? That's the secret remez I'm going to give you now, which we're going to cover over the next few weeks, but let's go to the Peleyets. I don't want to leave out... The Musser, even though all this is heavy Musser in the first place. <clears throat> what was that? Right. Ahab himself is a complicated story. Yes, Ami's never lost. And when it came time, he was high Misa, if you remember, there was a dintar in Shemayim, and he was 50-50, Ahab. He was 50-50. He was zero because he did a vodazara and schetim after Zarabim, but it was 50-50 because he was Marbit's terror and supported terror, even if he wasn't even trying to do it. He just gave out a lot of money to yeshivas because he was generous. And that was enough to make it 50-50. The Kayach of and Hachzaka's terror. That's not a head to go do a Varazar today. It's a head to go home and give out a lot of stucco when they come to the door. But, uh, they had Achtos, yeah. That's also misquoted and overquoted, but you're correct. It's uh, quoted in the context as as long as you're nice to other people, you can do whatever you want. But that's not true. That's not what you meant. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's where it's misquoted. It's just highlighting the chashivas of Achtos and the protection of Achtos, but it's not machaper at the end of the day for everything else. He got killed at the end of the day. Okay, let's go. We have a new parak today. Parak, uh, it's on the bottom. It's Chachmat Reishud Gimel, the very bottom, last paragraph. And this follows Chizik, as we discussed yesterday. Chizik, Lashon Chizik, not making fun, which uh, put in, we are permanent a few days. If you are having some sort of skit play or some other funny, cute lines that you're preparing to pretend you're drunk, to make fun of all the people you want to make fun of, Chavaz Chaim reminds you, be careful. Lashon Hara is still from the uh, serious uh, Lavim, and Perm doesn't exempt you from that. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes things are said on Perm that people are still recovering from later on, and then the people, if they were taka drunk, don't remember, but the Shvigar remembers, and the Shvigar remembers, and the uh, wife remembers, and, the, and I, I've had uh, not a small amount of Shalom bias issues and other things uh, people come to me with after Perm, that were triggered on perm of things that shouldn't have been said. And uh, so the Chavetz Chaim reminds us that there's a mitzvah to be happy and do whatever you have to do. Just be careful with the Ben Amal It's an extra protection. And the perm doesn't exempt you from those mitzvahs. I've told that to people. Achra Meisen, they tell me they thought when they were drunk they were part of the mitzvahs. I said, if you got drunk enough that you were part of the mitzvahs, you got too drunk. The shir is not shechus shaloit. The shir is adal yada. There's a difference between the two, but not for now. So, chizuk is being machazik, the things that we know we're supposed to be doing, especially at times when they're harder to do, and to be able to do the mitzvahs in the context they're supposed to be done in, with the right intentions, but also the right way. 
So that's important for Perm, and most people, Baruch Hashem, are doing it the right way. And it should lead to extra simcha and expanded horizons, if you'll call it. The next entry, Chachma, is Lo Amar Chasid, and you can only be Machazic things that you know exist. And if you don't know all the dinim, if you don't know all the mitzvahs and all the serum, you don't know all the parameters, you won't be able to have applied Yerushamayim, because you can't have Yerushamayim if you don't know and you're clueless about what you're supposed to be doing and that there might be a shayla in front of you. Yerushamayim is when you know there's a shayla in front of you to ask and find out, honestly look for the answer. You can't have Yerushamayim if you have no clue that there might be a shayla. And that's the uh, next discussion. Ashrei Adam Matzah Chachma. Ashra Be'elamazeh V'tev Le'elam Abba. Zay Mitzvah Sa'av Al-Abed. So he starts off, who's responsible for building Chachma? So the primary function of Chinuch, Chinuch is tricky. Chinuch is a dinder abanon. But that's often misunderstood and misquoted. How can Chinuch be a dinder abanon? You mechanic kids to do mitzvahs, that's a dinder abanon? Of course not. The Chinuch in its totality is a dinder reisah. You have a mitzvah shenantan levanecha. The proteus of Chinuch, you have to buy him a luluv when he's this age, and tefillin in this age, and tzitzis. Those are dinder abanons. How to be makayim giving over the meserah. The general of shenantan levanecha is a concept that writes, it's a pasuk, and you have a chiv to be malamed your children. The Iger chiv is on a parent. As the Gemara tells us, Rabbi Shur Magamla realized that those who had fathers, and the fathers were around, they weren't away on business for nine months at a time, which those who had to travel, unfortunately, in the old days had to do, so they got taught. And those who didn't have fathers, or the fathers weren't around, or the fathers of Amaratzim, didn't get taught. And he basically created what we take for granted today as the First, a public school yeshiva system where everybody's got to get mechunach and everybody has to learn. We have to build yeshivas in every town whether they have fathers or not. And if they have fathers, let the fathers learn with them or pay tuition. And if they don't have fathers, they can't afford tuition, then the community has to pay for it. That's not a value-added chesed. That's a community obligation per the Gemara's Takana. And we take that for granted today as uh, we should. We've had it. For a long time, we have the luxury, but it wasn't always like that, and it wasn't always like that in America. So, the primary chiv is the father. Zu mitzvah sa'av ala ben, l'gad l'malatari yismach behem ba'elam hazeh. If you do this and you do it well, you will have nachas ba'elam hazeh, v'tis aneg b'deshe nafshel y'elam And it's your insurance policy, ba'elam That's not a heter to... Learn less yourself or slacking off in your ruchnius. I can't tell you how many times I've heard lines from parents. They come and they uh, tell me my, my kid's learning well and I'm going to play golf my kid's going to yeshiva. <laughs> I said, uh, you're entitled to relax and play a little golf. I would suggest a sport that you get a little more exercise, but I'm not a golfer, so I don't know. The golfers here will tell me there's plenty of exercise. You've got to pick up the bag. That looks heavy. And you gotta bring it to the golf course, and you gotta press the gas pedal on the thing. I'm sure there's a lot of strenuous exercise there, but whatever exercise you need, you're allowed to an extent that you need it. But the fact that the kids are doing the right thing is not your tour. It's an extra. Besides your avodas Hashem and your learning, it's also extra schar. People know it's good and it's nice and it's important and it's a possibility, but they don't see that it's do or die. They don't see the necessity for mamish mesiris nefesh. That's because they don't see the necessity for mesiris nefesh for their own avodas Hashem. So they're not going to see it for their children. 
And even those who see it for their children, they have to recognize it for themselves as well. It's usually a package deal. Likanez ba'avi ha'kaira, to really get under the beam, so to speak. He says, it's not that, yeah, I paid tuition, I sent the yeshiva already, I'm good to go. The rabbeim are your shlichim, and the yeshiva depends on the chinuch at home, both in direct learning, a Masera and Yerushalayim. I can't overemphasize this. I've heard some strange lines from people that, yeah, that's why I sent the yeshiva, that's why I paid tuition. What does that have to do with? We expect the yeshiva, I send them. I send them early in the morning, comes home late at night. I'm here, I'm out here, I'm basically potter. Whatever I do is uh, value-added. That's ridiculous. Uh, value-added? It's, it's, uh, it's a shutfus, and the lion's share in terms of the spirit of what's going on and giving over the Messiah still has to be done at home. And if a person doesn't realize that, they're not going to be getting what they're paying tuition for. Not going to be getting what the yeshiva is here for and getting the most out of it, and it's not going to be a, a shutfus. Abiyaser, one more line. Abiyaser, Chiyuva, Ramya, top line. Al Naturi Karta. Naturi Karta is the people supposed to be protecting the city. The Bechol Asar in every place. Lamed al Mishmar al Zeh, Bechol Kaychem, Bechol Ma'idam. Lizar b'mnei Aniim, Shemehem Teitzei Teres. I mentioned before, it's now for for a long time, certainly in America, a situation where people more or less understand that the right of every Jewish child to have a from education, I say from yeshiva education for the girls, a from education, not the same mitzvah tamatera, but the Messiah being given over, is incumbent upon the community. And those who don't have parents, the parents can't pay, the Naturi Karta, the people protecting the city, this is for protection of Klaisal, need to foot the bill, build the yeshivas, build the besiagas, and make sure they function. And I think as a community, Baruch Hashem, we understand that. Because once in a while, people need a reminder, why are they coming to me? Why am I paying full to defray the cost? You're not defraying the cost. You're filling in partial money that's missing because not everybody can afford. A lot more to say on that, and Mitzvah Hashem will discuss it on Shabbos.